You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Without further ado, let's bring in Moke Hamilton. Always great when he's on the show with us. Love it, Moke. How you doing? Good morning, good morning. Happy Sunday, Selection Sunday to you, my friend. Yeah, ha- happy Sunday. Uh, Selection Sunday at that. Definitely a very, very exciting day in the world of sports. So, uh, yeah. You also got Knicks and Nets today, so uh, that should be exciting as well. I kind of heard you talking about that a little bit. I heard the clip played from Tibbs. So, uh, yeah, that should, should, should be a nice Sunday here in the city full of sports. Before we start diving into the NBA, I'm just curious. Do you play March Madness pools? Do you do you participate? Do you partake in that? You know, I used to. Um, I oh don't every God. single year. Uh, <laughs> hey, Who hey, are there's only there's only so long that you can just donate money to other people's March Madness pool and continue to feel good about it. Okay, I I've never won a March Madness pool. I've never been able to correctly pick a national champion. So eventually, I'm like, you know what? I might as well just save this money for my Super Bowl box pool. You know what I mean? I like have a chance of winning that. <laughs> You're so funny. I just, I don't get you people, but it's all good. I still love you, Moke. Yeah, I still love you, boo. All right, uh, so, let's so, dive in. So you, got, well, so you got some pointers for me then? You gonna, you gonna help me? Fill out I know. I, listen, I just, listen. Okay, okay. all right, R- really quick, right? Like, listen, during football season, I have time for nothing. Like, I just started watching college basketball. Um, Like, uh-huh. maybe, maybe. Two weeks ago, I started handicapping college basketball for okay. for for daily wager. But re- regardless, like you know, this is March Madness. you know, I'm I'm so I'm doing like NBA, I'm doing NBA. We've got we got NFL free agency. We got the NFL draft. We're doing all like, but like, I'm not I'm not going to pass up with the opportunity of just how electric and how exciting the tournament is, especially playing in pools. Like I just. I think it's one of the most fun times of the year on our sports calendar and playing in pools really makes it great. And I'll spend this next week, I'll dedicate copious amounts of hours preparing and putting my pool bracket together um, because I'm competitive and I I want to win and I want to win. I don't want to hijack your whole segment either, but listen, you and Frankie are out there walking on the wharf in your fancy big in Jersey. Okay. We're gonna call. We're gonna talk on the phone. You're gonna help me put my picks together. I'm gonna to do a March Madness bracket just because the boss lady told me. There you go. Right. There you go. The, better, better yet, this is what I'm gonna do. On on Wednesday night when it's finalized, I'm going to. I'll take a, a screenshot of it. I'll take a picture of it, and I will send it to you. Okay, I like that. Thank okay. you. There we go. Let's talk some NBA. We've got the Knicks and the Nets in action. Tip off at 1 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN later on this afternoon. Let's start with the Knicks, right? Like, listen, they're three and a half games back to Atlanta to get in in that play-in game. They've looked good as of late, three and one on the road. It was really impressive, especially their win over Dallas. They took it to the limit with Memphis. What are you going to do? Morant put up 37 points. Reddish is out. I call them a team without a rudder. They don't have a legit point guard. But, man, they're balling. Like I'm really I'm I I like I think they're gonna bring it today. I think I don't you know I think this is gonna be a close game. I think this is gonna come down to the wire, especially with the Nets not having Kyrie active and attractive. What has been your thoughts on this Knicks team the last four or five games? Yeah, you know they they definitely have looked like a different team. Uh, what's what's really interesting about it is they're one of the few teams that 
uh, over the course of the season have actually looked better on the road than at home. You kind of wonder if sometimes maybe the pressure of playing at the Garden, you know, maybe the fans are getting on them a little early. Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, but you just wonder sometimes if maybe that has an impact on them. You know, I mean, the Knicks, they, they've won 15 games on the road this season, only 13 at the Garden. So that's definitely interesting. You don't see that every day in the NBA. Uh, that, that said, I mean, it's not really, you know, Julius Randle has really kind of led the charge himself personally, you know, and I mean, I don't know what has, has changed for him. Maybe, you know, for whatever reason, he's playing looser, he's playing better. And overall, the team just seems to be playing with more urgency, uh, you know, something that, something that we haven't really seen much this season. And, you know, you kind of wonder if, if it's too little too late, you know, I mean, they trail, they trail the Hawks by five games in the lost column, right? So the Knicks end their play today at 28 and 39, the Hawks are 32 and 34. So you're, you're kind of just running out of time here to make up that much ground in so mm-hmm. few games. They, they only have 15 games left. It, it, it's an uphill battle for the Knicks, but until they've actually been eliminated, you can count on Tibbs to coach these guys and continue to try to prod and push them. And after, you know, a fairly decent beginning to this road trip, it's going to end today. I, I would expect that they will approach today's game against Brooklyn with some sense of urgency. Problem for the Knicks is I think the Nets will as well, right? So I, I think it should be a, a very, very interesting contest and, and an exciting one, hopefully, as well. Listen, I think we're both on the same page here, Moke, in regard to, you know, I don't expect them to get into the play-in game, right? But, but you know, I've, I have fielded so many calls as of late in regard to uh, Knicks fans calling in, Tibbs has to go, Tibbs have to go. If, if the Knicks play with this type of sense of urgency and, and effort with as many games that are still remaining, I, I, I think this is... I think this speaks volumes in regard to Tibbs and and what these players think about him and how hard they're playing, not only for themselves, obviously the tape doesn't lie, and more general managers will look at the tapes now knowing that, you know, a lot lot of general managers like to look at the effort and the gamemanship of players when they're not playing, when they're already, they're out of the race to make it to the postseason. This This is the game film they like to look at. But I think this speaks volumes in regard to Tibbs as a coach. Agree or disagree? Uh, I mean, I think it says something about him. Uh, you definitely want a coach there that's going to coach all 48 minutes and all 82 games. And you definitely don't want one who's going to look at the standing and say, oh, you know, we're five games out. You know, what's, what's the point of this? Um, I think most of the fans that have frustrations with Tibbs, it's really more about his uh, – He's very stubborn when it comes to his ways and the ways that he sees certain things. And I think that there are a lot of fans. But most of the frustration is that he, he's just reluctant to play some of the younger guys and to give them more minutes and to see what they're able to do. And that's not something – okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll say this to you. He's not the only coach that doesn't like playing young players, Right. He prefers to give his minutes to veterans. He wants guys to earn their keep, et cetera. And that's understood. Larry Brown was, was notorious for that as well. But you can't not play young players that look like they have promise and continue to lose games. You know what I mean? Like nobody would be complaining. I'm talking to fans. No fans would be complaining 
if the Knicks were entering play today, 39 and 28, as opposed to 28 and 39. But you see, when you don't play, you know, Deuce McBride, when you don't, when you don't play Cam Reddish, when you don't play, you know, Quentin Grimes earlier in the season before, you know, these guys got hurt, you can't not play them and still lose. And I think that's really where the frustration has come, you know. Um, so, so that said, yeah, you do want a coach that's going to coach through the finish line, but you also would have liked to have been a more competitive team because by all accounts the Knicks certainly have the talent to be better than the 12th seed in the Eastern Conference. That, you know, thus far this season they just really haven't gotten it done. Your hope at this point is they can put together a run similar to last season and instead of capturing the fourth seed, you know, maybe they move up to 10, maybe they move up to nine, and at least give themselves an opportunity to get into the postseason. Again, Mo Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Now for the Nets. Listen, full transparency here. I lost money on Thursday night. I thought the 76ers were really <laughs> going to bring it to them. And I'm just, I'm so, I'm so uber impressed. And, and you know, I, I know the, the narrative since the trade went down is who won the trade, right? Like, who's the better team now? And we we have seen what, Harden and Embiid and Maxi can do, right? Like they have created a big three in Philadelphia with the 76ers. And they were just, you know, in, in, in the very small sample size, the six games, you know, top three offense in the NBA. Um, and I believe they were, they were five and one at that point. Meanwhile, we really, we were sitting back. We really haven't seen what Ben Simmons can do because he hasn't played yet, but right. man, Kyrie, KD, the addition of, you know, I, I don't think enough is being discussed in regard to the addition of Drummond and Seth Curry to the equation. Boy, were they impressive. And I just, like, m- my mind races in regard to just how good this team's going to be with the addition of Ben Simmons when he finally is healthy enough to be active. Yeah, I, I think I think Ben is going to just make the game so much easier and so much better for Kyrie. Um, of all people, you know, I think that Kyrie Irving is really going to benefit playing with Ben Simmons because I think it'll allow Kyrie to to be more of a of a hunter on the offensive end. You know, I think Ben Simmons is going to be grabbing rebounds. You know, I think Kyrie's going to be free to to, to release. Uh, you know, Ben is going to be finding him in transition. Um, the Nets are going to be playing much much faster once Ben Simmons gets back on the court. So, I mean, I, I thought – I actually wrote this uh, on basketballnews.com uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe a week ago or so, that I think of all people, Kyrie Irving is the biggest beneficiary and the bi- biggest winner of this trade. Um, as far as, the, the, you know, the Nets and the Sixers are concerned, I, I'm, I'm really hoping that these two teams end up meeting in the first round of the playoffs. You know, that, that I think would just yeah. be fantastic <laughs> for the league. But I will say, Anita – I you know I I don't think I don't think I bet on on the Sixers that night, <laughs> but uh, I I wonder if the Nets would beat them. I, I wonder if the Nets would sweep them. Like that's I, I you know I came away from the game, and I'm just like man, you know what? This was actually a nice reminder for NBA fans. Kyrie and 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 I was gonna say Kevin Love. Kyrie and Kevin Durant. These guys are killers, man. Like when you talk about going into hostile territory. And you talk about reaching in their bag of tricks and pulling out some some just virtuoso performances. These guys are battle tested warriors. They are killers. And if I needed two guys to lead me into hostile territory and win a game for me, 
they would be near the top of the list for me. Uh, James Harden, not so much. Um, what he did against Brooklyn the other night, I think, I think he ended up three for 17 or something like that. It's, uh, it's just a reminder of who he has been in far too many big games over the course of his career. So I definitely came away from that game still wanting to see these guys cross match in the first round, but I, I have very little confidence that Philadelphia would find a way to uh, crack, crack the code of Brooklyn, and especially without Ben Simmons they were able to do that. Yeah, if I'm a Nets fan, I'm, I'm feeling really, really good about my team right now. So, uh, yeah, big, big ups to Brooklyn. Mo, two more things before I let you go. Number one, the narrative that Harden um, can't deliver in crunch time situations or, or big game situations. Three of, three of 17 on Thursday. Is, is, this, is, is this narrative becoming more and more a reality? Well, I think at this point, it's, it's just impossible to ignore. Um, is it becoming more and more reality? Yeah, it is. It is. And, and I mean, we, we came into this season sort of knowing what his track record was, but we thought that the allure of Brooklyn to James Harden in the first place was the fact that he doesn't need to be the one to necessarily go out there and score 38 points in a game seven when it's all on the line. He has two other guys next day, in fact, to do that. Now in Philly, it's a little bit different of a situation because he's joining a guy in Joel Embiid who's had an MVP season thus far, right? He's joining a, a young budding star in Tyrese Maxey who people think has, has the goods to be an impact player in this league. So he kind of came into a situation where he was joining a team that, that was, you know, killing it for all intents and purposes, and now he joined. And if anything bad happens with that team, he's going to be the one to get the blame. Not only that, when they go into the postseason, there is going to be more of a magnifying glass on him because Philly's going to be counting on James Harden to be the primary playmaker, and they're going to need him to score an efficient 25 to 30 points every single night in the postseason. If he's not able to deliver at that point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be real ugly uh, on his legacy. Um, definitely a bigger spotlight on him now in Philly than it was in Brooklyn, especially because he asked out of Brooklyn. So, so yeah, James Harden, you got got some work to do, brother. Uh, last one for you. Let's talk about the Lakers. Um, you know, they're sitting at the ninth seed right now. Uh, looks like they are going to have to uh, have that play-in game to win in advance hoping that they get AD back. You know, Westbrook, that, that experience uh, experiment is, has been a disaster. But nonetheless, what are your thoughts in regard to the Lakers as we get closer to the postseason? A, do you feel that they will be in the play-in scenario? B, if they get AD back, how far of a run do you think they can make in the West? Well, yeah, I, I, for sure they're going to be in the play-in. And it's very scary for the Lakers because the way it's looking right now, if it began today, they would have to play the Pelicans in the first round. And I don't know that I want to have to play the Pelicans if I'm the Lakers. Uh, the addition of C.J. McCollum has, has definitely helped that team. They have some injury issues right now. Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum are both on the shelf for New Orleans. But for Brandon Ingram specifically, how good would it feel for him to beat the Lakers and keep them out of the postseason. Remember, if you go in there as a ninth seed, you only have to win one game, or I should say you only lose one game and you're eliminated from contention. So very scary scenario if I'm the Lakers. That said, Anthony Davis returning to the team, if he's anywhere near 100%, if you're the Lakers, you've got to kind of feel like you're 
you're one of the best teams out there, if not the best. So for the Lakers, I think it really just boils down to how the brackets play out. Um, you know, if they were to get in as the AC, then they would draw Phoenix in the first round. There definitely would be a bit of a revenge factor there for the Lakers, considering Phoenix knocked them out in the first round last season. That said, I'm not sure that I'm favoring the Lakers in the seven-game series against Phoenix. So I'm definitely concerned about them. And unfortunately for LeBron, even with Anthony Davis, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Lakers get knocked out in the first round again. And that's assuming they make it in, which in and of itself is no guarantee. So I am concerned for LeBron, and I am concerned for Laker Nation. Your favorite player in the world, LeBron James. Sorry, Anita. I'm I'm concerned for those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I feel so bad for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moke Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Moke, always great to hear your voice uh, and, and so appreciate your time every Sunday morning. Thank you, my friend. No problem. You take care. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.